Welcome back, y'all, to episode 130 of the Zachary Wingate podcast, where we go 365 days, no excuses, nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short form podcast, as well as forming, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. I mean, where to begin? There is a lot going on in the world. First of all, I can honestly say that as I get older and learn more, nothing ceases to amaze me. It's almost like, you know, whenever you think you have it all figured out or you know it all, something else crazy happens. Um, and I want to cover a few things today. First of all, you know, as... As I go down the rabbit hole of this podcast, I'm really just trying to find my voice, if you will, or a message that works clear, helps people, and informs them on what's going on in the world. I do feel like sometimes I have a gift of consolidating a lot of information and then being able to present it in a way that people understand. And that's really what I'm trying to do here. I'm just trying to inform people on different things that happen in the world because things get busy. and Sometimes you just want to hear different aspects of the news that aren't ran through uh, necessarily filter. And today, a story has come across my attention that's been shared to me with a listener, and I did a little bit of a deep dive on it, and it's been something that is pretty interesting, and it's really kind of changed certain perspectives or aspects on the, the government or how they work. So let's get into it. Okay, so imagine if you lived in a world where you didn't know who was potentially spying on you. Your next-door neighbor could be a secret operative living a double life, taking on different personalities and presenting information in a way that wasn't known. Imagine if someone down the street had a dual job where they worked both within the private sector and the public sector. Scepter, sector, and their intention was to present information. We live in a different era right now in, in humanity and in society where information is key. And more now than ever, what we understand is the importance to control the narrative and understand how information is presented because of how it collaborates and ideas are formed. Now, I think within the examples of what we've seen in the last four years within this society, we see it more than ever. We look at the aspects of COVID. We look at the aspects of the internet. Now we look at what's happening with Twitter. We look at what's going on with the world. And we have the internet presenting ideas and information. The story that I'm about to talk to today is one that is interesting and illuminating in a lot of ways. But it doesn't have the ability to really present a lot of information. So I'm going to go ahead and do my best to present it how I present. And if you guys have any feedback or comment, you know, please let me know. You can always DM, DM me on Instagram at the 365 podcast. And we can go from there. So let's get into it. Okay, this story goes back to 2021 
which happened in May. So I was really surprised I didn't really see it, but the headline reads, the US military running a mass undercover operation conducting warrants surveillance of Americans. Now, when you read that, the first thing I thought of is something I can't even say, which is post comitatus, which is an act in the United States, which was founded back in June 18, 1878 by President Ruth Ford B. Hayes. And what it indicates is it limits the power of the federal government to use federal military personnel to enforce domestic policy within the United States. So if you can really, sorry, I was a little bit away from the microphone. That's that's what the Pasa Comitasa is. It's to stop any federal military influence to influx within the state. And this is back in 1878. Now, what I'm about to read So what I'm about to play you gives you an overview of the material that I'm going to get into. So it's going to give you a good overview and provide information on what we're about to tackle. A secret army, the US Department of Defense, reportedly retains an army of 60,000 operatives around the world. The force, working undercover and called the Signature Reduction Program, is composed of personnel in all walks of life, civilian, military and even online. With an annual budget of $900 million and without congressional oversight, tools of the trade, managed by other agents and contracted companies, are said to include silicon sleeves that alter an agent's fingerprints and full biometric detection. Some of this signature reduction force is deployed around the world, in hotspots such as North Korea and Iran. Others are based domestically in the US, including agents who build and maintain the covers of other agents. The forces conduct both traditional real-life and online assignments, including campaigns to influence and manipulate social media. It remains to be seen whether, like the NSA spying program, US allies have signature reduction. So, what's so interesting about this story is it was really like I was saying back in 2021 in the signature reduction and the journalist William M. Arkin kind of broke it and he did a two year investigation on this and you're listening to different aspects of it but when you break it down what's really crazy is it's 900 million dollars in shadow ops funding which means it's funding that's just given and it's not ran through any congressional hearing. So that means there's really no checks and balances of the program. So within the United States and around the world, there's 60,000 people operating who are sharing dual, potentially dual citizenship, dual personality within the United States, North Korea, operating in different environments. And it's under this mise of kind of being, I guess, cybersecurity warriors. But what it really reminds me of is kind of like the reservist military. You know, obviously the, the army has a reserve military of people who are both citizens and soldiers and they call them, you know, weekend warriors. But when you look at this, it's kind of like presenting this dilemma where, you know, the DOD has people working for them, but they're doing their own jobs because they need certain things going on. And The way it's been presented is these are cyber warriors. They're people who are working online to control narratives, information, 
and have things on social media be presented in a certain way. And and you look at $900 million and you're like, what is that being spent on? Because that's nearly a billion dollars for one program. So it makes you wonder really, what are they doing? What is the information they're focusing on? And it took the Freedom of Informations Act to really get the full scope of it, which whenever you kind of parlay the Freedom of Informations Act into a lot of these different Pentagon programs, it gives you oversight, but a lot of the information is potentially redacted. But within the article I'm reading, it shows that there was 130 private companies that support a dozen of support the classified information and contract that's being used on it. So if you can think about it, you know, now it ties in companies that have influences within the employees that are working within this program. And we really don't have a lot on it. But what it's saying is it's really focusing a lot on hotspots. Now, when we look at cyber warfare as a whole, what we always have to understand is the barriers of entry are low. If you look at conventional warfare, when you're having kinetic impact, I need a gun, I need a plane, I need a tank, I need a trained soldier, I need somebody willing to go out and fight and kill another person. That takes time, it takes money, and it takes a program of longevity. Whenever now we implement the cyber warfare component, we don't need as much to inflict damage. That's why North Korea has such a strong cyber warfare component because they can take a computer they can train people you can learn coding and now you can have impact because whenever the internet was created whenever a lot of these different entities were created they weren't created to have barriers or fortresses that were established it was an open market so whenever you look at a lot of these these i don't even know what you call them signal these shadow 60,000 cyber warfare soldiers, you know, it really gives them the ability to do a lot of different things. And with that funding, they can influence different things within different companies or potentially in overseas knowledge. So when I say overseas knowledge, I mean, what is the government doing day to day? After the Arab Spring, which happened in Egypt, we can really identify that the the ability of the internet and information to have connectivity gives people the ability to react to something but also get organized and we're seeing it now with even within the zero policy of covid within china i mean for the first time ever you have the people coming together being able to back down the chinese government opening up the the um covid policy but within these 60,000 people you know, we're finding that they have the ability to implement the cutting edge technology and manipulate information on social media. Now, within this article, when I read that, it really makes me think of the impact of botnets and how you have multiple bots being able to create different narratives. And one example of this is when Elon Musk was was posting about what happened in Ukraine, in Russia, he posted one thing one day and the next day another and he saw two different things happening of people getting information you know and they think that was a result of him wanting to buy twitter to where now he can really understand what's going on with it i know that's a a crazy thought but there's something to be said about the information and how it's being dialed in within twitter and within social media and so much so that 
if the U.S. government is spending $90 million or $900 million on it, it's really going to impact what they can do within the narrative. So when I look at it, if I, if I analyze it, if it is just cyber warfare, to me, it's putting people in certain places that can manipulate the narrative of what's happening on, on social media. They can influence it by creating a force multiplier. So force, multi- force multiplier is a concept where you take one and you try to multiply it as quick as possible. And if you have 60,000 cyber warfares living dual lives and you need to do it and put out a message saying, hey, we need to do a force multiplier because potentially we need to do a coup in X country and we need to generate this material. You know, we saw it in Myanmar with the impact of Facebook on phones and as a result of Facebook having an app on phone, you know, it was really interesting because you didn't need to have internet. You didn't need to buy for phone services when in Myanmar, whenever you had the app on your phone that just said Facebook, you could just communicate with people. And they think that's really what was a catalyst for the genocides within Myanmar. When I say that, I mean, it's almost like the same context where you're going to like, all right, we have 60,000 people. We need to create a narrative and a message. These are our cyber reserve force. And we need to make sure that they start pushing it and putting it in different environments. Now, if you're looking at hotspots and catalysts and different things, the reason why you want a person there is if they shut off the internet in the country, you want to make sure that you're going to have different means to present information. And the Arab Spring has taught us one thing. It's that the power of people and connectivity with the internet can overturn a government. And if you have people already planted in different environments monitoring flashpoint conflict, for example, what happened in Iran with the hijab and loose hair, if you have somebody there planted in that environment and they start spinning narratives and information that catch on quickly, you don't even know. And I say this because we look at how Bitcoin can impact based on memes. You know, before the crypto downfall of the last two months, we looked at how you have Dogecoin, you have a meme, you have you have influence, then it drives the value of it. Well, that's where we are right now with the internet is people can be completely radicalized, galvanized within a short period of time. And when I look over at this article presented about signature reduction, it really looks that way to me. You know, if they're planning this type of operatives for a reserve cyber force all right y'all that's kind of the point i've got today that's my time signature thank you so much for listening and we'll get back to you tomorrow